Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. I'm working at- An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Welcome, everyone. Chuck Bonneville, Julie Hayden, the two straight up brought to you by by AmericaCitizenPress.com, a great conservative website, as well as Denver Cenogenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. Holy cow, tons to talk about today. First of all, it is the launching of the uh, GOP assembly tomorrow. We're going to get after the show. We're going to head straight. We are delegates. We are delegates. I was an alternate delegate because no one else got bumped up. I got bumped up. I got bumped up. Um, It looks to me like Laurel Eimer, who we supported, did indeed get get enough of the vote from CD7 to get on the ballot as a congressional did, representative there. Did she win or did I don't know. I, I texted and I have not received the message. Okay. I'm going to guess that she might not have win. Otherwise, people would have been texting. But she got enough to get on the ballot. Don't know what happened to Eric Audlin. Huge news out of Michigan, where basically the jury said, oh, yeah, that whole Whitmer thing was an FBI entrapment case and returned zero guilty verdicts in what the FBI was calling its largest domestic terrorist case like of the universe. Um, Will Smith, I think this is kind of funny, has been banned from the Oscars for 10 years. Whoa. Well, now, I think more punishment would have been in to make him watch yeah, all the 10 yeah. years worth of Oscar and, Wars. And, and the red carpet. And the red carpet, exactly, exactly. And then go on his wife's podcast or whatever it is, or Instagram thing too. Um, so there's that to talk about. Um, Deborah Flora for Colorado, she's one of the GOP candidates for Senate. Mm-hmm. I've got an endorsement from Ted Cruz today, which is pretty huge, I think. I don't know um, how much difference that would make, but I mean, that's it. That's can't a, hurt. Can't hurt. It can't certainly hurt. cannot hurt. Exactly. We're going to have, though, as soon as TJ gets him on the phone, a lot of you guys are familiar with the masterpiece cake shop case and Jack Phillips, um, who made cakes, uh, made wedding cakes, considered himself sort of a, you know, an artist, and he is an artist. And essentially, the rabid progressive left went after him because he said it violated his religious beliefs to make a wedding cake for a gay couple. Went all the way up to the Supreme Court, where they kind of ruled in Jack's favor, but also sort of punted it, right? Yeah, what they did, they did not find the, the which is basically a public accommodation law, unconstitutional. They just said that the Civil Rights Commission uh, evidence are biased in their statements like you saw. Concerned. Right. So, um, yeah. But that meant that you could go any, the law is still enforceable and there'd be another one. And now we have somebody who got caught up in exactly what all of us predicted to do. And that's Lori Smith. And we have Lori and her, I think, attorney, Jake Warner. Uh, Warner from Alliance, Alliance Defending, Defending Freedom. Freedom. Laurie so, and Jake, great to have you. Thank Thanks you for having us. us today. Yeah. So why don't we, so Laurie Smith is the owner of 303 Creative. And Laurie, here's what I'd like to do is maybe first get you to kind of talk about what happened to you. And then Jake, then we can stay, just so we don't get confusing with people trying to talk over each other. You can maybe then talk about what we're doing about it. So Laurie, why don't you explain, I mean, I'm calling it the rabid left um, coming after anyone who dares to not tow their line. and they I, wanna... I wouldn't say it's the rabbit left. I'd say it is the Democratic Party of today. Well, same thing, same difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but anyway, Lori, why don't you explain what, what your business is and what happened? Mm-hmm. Sure. So I started my business, 303 Creative, over 10 years ago because I wanted to invest my time and my talent and my passion in promoting messages that I really care about. And I do this through my custom graphics and website. And while we work with all people, and I have worked with all people, including those who identify as LGBT, I'm unable to promote all messages. And the government is forcing me to violate my beliefs and not only communicate, but to celebrate messages I do not agree with through my business. And as you mentioned, my case does have an opportunity to be heard before the highest court in the land this fall. And my hope and my prayer is that the United States Supreme Court will stand to protect our First Amendment freedoms because all artists, all creative business professionals like myself, and ultimately every American must be free to live and work in alignment with their beliefs without the fear of unjust government punishment. 
right. As I understood, part of the case is not only uh, would you have to do creative work for something you don't believe in um, because of your religious beliefs, but also you weren't able to advertise what you do believe in because they had a provision in the law saying, well, if you say these are the ones you love to do, then that's discriminatory. Is that correct? That's correct. On my own business website, I'm not allowed to communicate my views on this topic. And it's, it's been clear that Colorado has said that if I create wedding websites celebrating weddings between one man and one woman, that I must set aside my belief and create websites celebrating same-sex weddings or I will be in violation of the law and subject to punishment. And since the start of litigation over five years ago, Colorado right. has only confirmed that they believe they have the power to compel my speech. They're not just telling me what I can't say. They're telling me what I must say. And what's frightening about this is whether your views are the same as mine or different, if the government can force this upon me, they can force it upon everyone. Exactly. Well, Jake, 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 why don't you tell us how we you got up to the Supreme Court um, from from uh, when you became involved, or at least when the litigation uh, and the controversy began? Well, sure. You're talking about Jack Phillips earlier on the uh, on the show, and Lori looked around and she saw what Colorado officials were doing to him. Uh, you might remember remember his case went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court said that the free exercise violation was so clear in his case that he didn't need to reach the free speech issue. And, and Lori's case presents that exact issue to the U.S. Supreme Court later this year. Um, but seeing how Colorado officials treated Jack, Lori said, well, I wonder if they can do the same thing to me. So what she did was she uh, sued to find out. Uh, pre-enforcement challenges are a hallmark of civil rights litigation in our country, and, and that's exactly what uh, Lori's doing here. Uh, and unfortunately, she lost at the lower court and then lost again at the Tenth Circuit. Uh, the Tenth Circuit um, issued a very broad ruling uh, saying that Colorado could compel Lori to express messages that go against their uh, against their deepest beliefs, and, and the rule really could extend to compelling anyone's speech. So we appealed up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and, and thankfully, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear her case later this year. Well, I read the Tenth Circuit opinion, in particular Timovich's uh, scathing dissent, uh, which I thought was one of the best I've ever seen Timovich do. Um, and that 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 was a that was a great dissent. Why don't you tell us what Timovich said? Well, Judge Timkovich realized the problem with the majority opinion. Under the majority's logic, the government can compel any speaker to promote any message. And this <laughs> doesn't just endanger Lori, it endangers all speakers. For example, right. we don't think that the government should be able to compel uh, a website designer who identifies as LGBT to create websites celebrating views of marriage that go against their deepest right. belief. So uh, the, the principle we're advocating for here protects everyone, but the Tenth Circuit's opinion, as Judge Timkovich noted, it endangers everyone's opinion. And indeed, Judge Timkovich said the opinion was so broad and dangerous that he classified it as Orwellian and unprecedented. Wow. Well, and one thing, too, I think we've seen is, you know, you give these guys an inch and they take a mile and not only they take a mile, but then they want to destroy anyone who disagrees. We've seen, um, to me anyway, a shift um, from just, you know, okay, gay marriage, is that okay? You know, to tolerance um, and maybe equal rights to all of a sudden, you know, you're banned from Twitter if you question whether a man can have a baby. I mean, it has gone farther and farther and farther. And I think going to your argument, maybe, Lori, let me ask you about this. You know, it's, it's, if it can happen to you, it can happen to anyone and it can be really bad what they try to make people, force people to say and force people to support whether they support it or not. I think that's exactly right. Uh, the rule that the 10th Circuit adopted here, it could compel anyone speech and, and government officials and activists around the country are starting to weaponize the legal system to punish people that they simply disagree with. And in other places around the country, and we brought suits in Minnesota and Arizona and all up and down the East Coast, some creative professionals are facing jail time and right. even more severe penalties than those at issue here. 
And I think this highlights the problem that speakers are facing in the country. They have uncertainty about whether uh, the First Amendment protects their rights, and we need the U.S. Supreme Court to definitively say so here in uh, Bory's case. Well, I assume since since the decision the Tenth Circuit went against you, um, that at least for the justice who want to hear the case, you're never sure their their motivations, but you can you can guess their motivations as they they have real problems with the with the Tenth Circuit's opinion um, and doesn't want it to stand. Um, so I would assume, though you never know for sure, um, you're in, in a pretty good place right now. Um, uh, when, when does your argument come? We don't have an exact date, but it will be later this fall. And uh, we're very optimistic and confident that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to get this case right, because really the freedom of all Americans are on the line. I was explaining earlier how the principle we're advocating for doesn't just protect Lori, it protects all speakers, including those who disagree with Lori on life's biggest issues like marriage and gender. And if the U.S. Supreme Court rules for, for Lori, then these artists who share these views are going to be protected just the same. Lori, let me ask you this. So you, you design websites. I mean, there are tons of people who design websites. Do you see this? And I guess I'm asking you to talk a little bit more broadly about how you see this affecting possibly, I mean, if it stands the way it is right now in Colorado, right? How this affects anybody out there who's trying to put together a website, a Facebook page, a Twitter account. I mean, you name it. It seems to me that this could impact them the same way it's impacting you. I've had number a number of creative professionals, not just website designers, but um, people all over the spectrum say, you know, I'm I'm going through some of the same things, and so my case has a far far a wide reach, far implications for a number of people, and and I can only speak to artists um, because I, I consider myself to be an artist. We don't surrender our freedom of speech when we choose to make a living, when we make a career out of creating custom expression. Um, and, and those who choose to do that, to create speech for a living, we're entitled to the full protection of the Constitution. The, the Constitution protects artists from being silenced and punished. And that's why this case is so important. And I am so grateful. And we remain optimistic that the court will make this right this fall. Um, well, let me ask you what you're basically, basically asking is for the public accommodation law of Colorado, which is different from the uh, Civil Rights Act of 1964, which is a federal statute, and that includes gender discrimination, which the other one you may try to get it in there by implication, but it does not specifically say. And you're asking the court to find the accommodation law unconstitutional is written. Is that right, Jake? Well, not not precisely. It's a little bit nearer than that. Um, okay. So Lori's challenge, it only addresses one unconstitutional application of the law. See, these laws can be applied constitutionally in many ways, but what they can't do is compel speakers to express a message that goes against their deeply held beliefs. Indeed, the U.S. Supreme Court dealt, a similar, dealt with a similar case 30 years ago involving another public accommodation law and said it was unconstitutional as applied to compelling speech. So what we're asking the court to do is affirm the same principle here and saying Colorado's public accommodation law, while it can be applied in, in many different ways in a constitutional way, what it can't be done constitutionally is applied to compel speech of artists like Lori. Okay. Well, it would be wonderful if you'd ask him to reach the broader question <laughs> well, that, that, was... that of all of us have debated for, for now, what, 60 years, um, quite not quite 60 years, uh, from when the Civil Rights Act public accommodation came in. I mean, it was clearly a, a it's seemingly a, a violation of the uh, freedom of association, um, but um, we're, we seem to be, it's, I guess it's, it's, you know, to take a big bite is almost impossible, so we want to take little bites, but in the meantime, a you lot keep of people, having this come up, yeah. yeah you'll keep on having it come up. Um, have you thought about just giving the opportunity to take the broader ruling? Well, the First Amendment protects people like Lori, right? I mean, Lori serves everyone. She just can't express every message. So she's really only endangered by this one application of a law mm -hmm. that would force her to express messages that go against her deepest beliefs. So that's why this law is one narrow application. 
Yeah, but you could ask the court for a much broader ruling, but but you <laughs> elected as a matter of litigation strategy, which is probably Smart. highly intelligent to limit it to the <laughs> When you're trapped, level. you can say ask for the broad thing when yeah. you're trying to win the actual ask case. Ask for a real victory. <laughs> um, so it's, it's uh, I mean, I, th- I think the court took it up after adverse ruling in the 10th Circuit is really encouraging. And I think you your odds... Uh, uh, prevailing uh, should be great, but I hope the court doesn't just punt again and just limit it even more as it did in Jack's case. And Jack is still suffering from the court's lack of broadening its out and just saying, well, we didn't like the speech of the civil rights commissioners uh, when addressing the issue. Well, the good news is this is the only question before the court, whether the government can compel speakers to express messages against their deepest belief. So we're very optimistic the court will reach the question and ultimately rule in favor of artists like Lori and uphold the freedom of all Americans. What about the question of standing, which I understood the district courts claimed that Lori didn't have standing because she'd gotten a message from two people who identify themselves by the first names, and that wasn't a sufficient harm uh, to, in fact, challenge the law? <laughs> well, if anyone in the country has standing to challenge a law in this kind of setting, it's it's Lori Smith, and, and that's because the state of Colorado has come after other artists, including Jack Phillips, for 10 years now. We know right. exactly how the state's going to apply this law. It's no secret to anyone in America. Um, so combine that with the state's continued representation throughout Lori's lawsuit, that it would apply the, the law in the same way to Lori, and, and there's no doubt that she has standing to bring this suit and to have her case heard. But didn't uh, the district court find she did not have standing? That's what the, the district court found, but um, well, so it can't be no one would believe she doesn't have standing. <laughs> you got one federal district judge who claimed that she doesn't have standing. So at least one person out of the three hundred million in the country thinks she doesn't. But that guy's wrong. He's wrong. He's no. wrong. So all right. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this, and I guess maybe Lori um, asked this. I mean, we covered and we've talked to Jack Phillips. And we've had him on our show and we helped raise money and we'll give you guys an opportunity to talk about what people can do to help here too, here before we go. But can you believe in a way, Lori, that you're even here? I mean, you're just out there. It seems to me trying to make a living. You're an artist. You found a great way to combine your art and business. And you're just going out there, minding your own business, trying to do your job. And all of a sudden you've got the massive boot of government stepping on your neck, about to step on on your neck and telling you not only what you can't say, but what you have to say. I mean, can you even believe that this is something you have to take to court to fight about? No, it is. It is hard to believe, but I am grateful that God has chosen my case to to go this path. And it has been a long five and a half year journey. I'll be honest with you. It's been a roller coaster. And if it weren't for my faith and the community of people who have come out to support me um, and support Alliance Defending Freedom, um, I don't, it's been very difficult to stand where I am today. Um, right. But I know that good will come of this. And we're, we're five and a half years in and we know it's coming up, but there's still a lot to be done. And I'm looking forward to hopefully the day we stand in victory and, I can move forward with my business um, in a way that I believe is right. Well, how can how can people help you, Lori, and also if they'd like to help um, the Alliance Defending Freedom? Because mm-hmm. without them, I'm yeah. afraid you know you would not have yeah. made it through they the million dollar job. in legal fees would have cost you. Absolutely. I first ask that your listeners pray for my family and I. Pray for protection and favor. There's been a lot of nastiness. Um, I've received a lot of vile, hateful messages, um, threats, and all of it. And so just protection, prayer for protection over my family, but also pray for Alliance Defending Freedom because there is a group of attorneys working on my case. And presenting a case at the United States Supreme Court takes a lot of skill and resources. And my attorneys haven't charged me a dime. Um, And they provide a lot of legal help for other people out there, too, for free, without charge. So cover them in prayer, but finally, I'll add that there is a lot of misinformation about the basic facts of my case, Okay. and I think it's really important for people to understand those facts and how my case may very well affect them down the road. And so I would encourage your listeners 
to get those facts right. And if you need a reputable source to do that, then you can visit Alliance Defending Freedom's website, adflegal.org to do so. And people could contribute. Yeah, and Jay, people, because, yeah, as, as Lori mentioned, and, and as we know, because having covered it, I mean, when we were at KNUS, they would do fundraisers for you guys. This is just one of many cases, right? I mean, you've got a lot going on, and how can people help specifically? Sure. To learn more about Lori's case, as well as uh, many other clients we represent, you can visit our website at adflegal.org. Uh, we advocate for religious freedom, free speech, the sanctity of life, parental rights and marriage and family. And um, if you want to learn more about our work, again, the website is adflegal.org. Um, we depend on uh, donations from friends, uh, from viewers of your show, for example, um, to do the work that we do and to keep providing a good service for our friends like Lori. Well, I, that's great. I hope guys will come back. Uh, once yeah, you, uh, let us know when it gets closer, how's it all looking? Yeah, when you're about to argue the case and certainly after you get a decision that comes in. Okay. Thanks for having us on the show. All right. Lori, All right. Thank you. Thank you. Jake Warner there with Alliance Defending Freedom. Lori Smith with 303 Creative. Thanks, guys, and good luck. Appreciate your time. Yep, best of luck. You know, you think, you, you know, you cover the Jake, or the Jack Phillips thing, and you think, oh, well, maybe, you know, we're, we're good. We've got a good ruling, right? But instead, what does Colorado do? They're like, no, they're going to keep going after people and keep going after people. And they, they don't care. You, you know, I mean, it's just outrageous. And like I said, it's one thing. She has a very good point. It's it's not even just saying, well, you can't discriminate against people, right? It's saying you have to put this, not only can you not put the message that you want to put on there because we don't like your message, you have to put our message on there, whether you like it or not. And and if you don't, we'll destroy you. I mean, it's... it's well, you have to understand it's a different court. I mean... Well, I understand that, but well, I mean... No, well, the old decision, which was on the slimmest grounds it could possibly be, had, had uh, Kennedy on the court who was a proponent of gay You're talking the Supreme Court. Supreme Court. Right. You're you're saying, so their odds are different now. The odds are different now. It's a 63 majority. You may lose Roberts, but you'd still have five to four. And I assume, you know, in order to get certain, you have to have four justices say they want to hear the case. And so those four clearly are thinking about overturning it. And hopefully they've got one more vote. Well, and I would hope too that, and again, in the years that have been, that we've seen since, I mean, the country has changed so dramatically in the past couple of years. I think that anyone who thinks that the state of Colorado and the Democrats who control that are going to be reasonable or fair at some point, hopefully nobody is under that misguided illusion anymore. And hopefully the Supreme Court gets that too, right? Hopefully they're like, look, we got to say something about this because if we don't, we're the last line of defense, right? And well, so I can guarantee you the three justices on that court who do not believe that. Well, um, well, no, exactly. But I mean, we can hope. So uh, we have a ton of comments here. Um, yeah, this is from Stephen. Trust SCOTUS or any other court at your own peril. That's absolutely true. Leo, um, go back to Leo's. He says the um, alphabet, uh, we have the uh, the alphabet people should learn how to design websites. You know, we're already up now, we're up to seven of the 24 letters of, of the Roman alphabet. Um, and so we only have 19 more to go. They can keep on adding on. It's LBGTQIA plus. And so we got, we just have 19 more letters to fill out the entire alphabet. That's right. And this from Charlene, great guest carrying on Jack's battle. The SCOTUS makeup is worse now. Actually, Charlene, I think Chuck is saying it's, it may be, it's a little bit better. I mean, yeah, you know, Biden's choice didn't really, you know, unless, you're, unless you're a three. child pornographer, you might be relieved. But but yeah. other than that, no, it, it's it's six to three or five to four. Uh, where before you really had just five and you guys, good news on the court best. front. Let's talk about this. I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, the the decision out of in Michigan, right, where mm-hmm. the defendants had been on trial for this alleged plot to kidnap uh, Governor Whitmer. Remember, it came up coincidentally mm-hmm. right before the 2020 election. Trump was blamed. It was stirring up all this fear. They're going to kidnap her and kill her. And then it turns out that there were actually, I mean, everyone involved. There were like three, four regular people, and everyone else was like literally an FBI agent or an FBI informant and talk about the scummiest FBI agents. I mean, half of them had to quit in disgrace. Well, not half of them. The lead agent had to quit because he was arrested 
for beating your wife after a swingers, a party. swingers party. Well, and the other guy, one of the other ones had problems. But anyway, to make to cut to the chase, the jury came back today. And even though the defense had a really hard time trying to even argue entrapment, the jury got it. They returned no guilty verdicts. They outright granted acquittals to two of the people who were accused in this conspiracy, right? And the other two, including the one, the, the case of the alleged ringleader in the whole thing, it was a hung jury. So mm-hmm. I think clearly, and I think Julie Kelly from the Federalist and AM Greatness has been doing a great job on this. I think she's right. This is a huge victory uh, for the American people and a huge smackdown of the FBI and the Department of Justice. This is one of their biggest domestic terrorism cases the the ever, right? And and um, and I think, keep in mind, you know, we just had recently this week too, um, one of the defendants, the judge found not guilty in the January 6th nonsense, right. saying, well, they can't be accused of trespassing if the Capitol Police let them in. Wave uh, them in. Wave them in, right? Come Which, on in, guys. And it wasn't just that one guy. It was all of them, basically. So I think there's some hope with the court system that even if the judges are screwed up, even if the lawyers are screwed up, even if the politicians are screwed up, you get a case to a jury and the jury can be like, well, wait a minute. Now, wait a These second. guys weren't really They're doing being... anything. I mean, the FBI planned it. The FBI recruited the people. The FBI plotted it. Yeah, they didn't know each the other. They, they, they put the whole thing together. They put the whole thing together. But you have to together. understand, it, and that's why the book on on that was done by the intrepid reporter, Intercept reporter, um, said, you know, most of the terrorism cases are just entrapment cases brought by the FBI, takes mentally deficient people and, and hauls them in. Uh, gives them all the means. And even when they try to back out, they still indict them. Yeah, and this is from Leo. Does the FBI have a quota like local traffic cops? Yes. Maybe, maybe yes. you're right. I mean, yes. that's thing about Leo. Maybe it's not an official quota, but if you're in the FBI domestic terrorism unit, you can hardly go to your boss and say, hey, you know, we looked at that whole Michigan thing and, oh, yeah. and there isn't anything there. I mean, you can't go and say, you know, those parents at school boards, actually they're just parents at school boards are not domestic terrorists. Yeah. Um, you have to create a case. I think what's interesting Remember, we talked about this before. So the guy who was the head FBI agent who used the FBI to plot and and trap those people in Michigan right before January 6th was transferred to the Washington, D.C. office. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if there's a coincidence there. I think the FBI is getting a blacker and blacker eye. All of them are on on that thing, too. Well, I just hope if, let's say, Trump gets back in, you know, it's no longer, oh, I'll just keep whoever is the head of the FBI or I'll replace him with somebody who's equally uh, yeah, clean house. I'm saying, yeah, your top hundred FBI uh, personnel, you're all fired. That's right. And this is Jacob, another day, another hoax. That's right. Let's see. We've got Nick Nick Sandman, Nick that Sandman. kid. We've got Jesse Smollett. We've got the Hunter Biden laptop thing. We've got Russia. I mean, you just keep going down the line, right? The the governor Whitmer kidnapping, which was just an FBI plot. I mean, it's just. But they put the pressure on, right? I mean, in the January 6th thing, you got people pleading guilty because they can't afford the legal stuff they have to go through. And then they, then the, the mainstream media touts, oh, they pled guilty. You didn't, I looked at CNN, nope, nothing about this. ABC had something about the acquittal and then the, the hung jury, although it was buried under the headline, jury receives bomb evidence in the trial. That's our headline, jury receives bomb evidence. And then you actually <laughs> click on the story and it says later on in the story that, oh yeah, by the way, everybody was acquitted. So I guess the jury didn't believe the bomb evidence, huh? So that's good news on the court front, I think. Uh, I think it's great news. It's, it, but you know, you get bad judges and it's very hard if you're a defense attorney a lot of the times they prevent you from having any defense. And there are cases in Oregon where the juries, where the lawyers for closing arguments just stood up and turned their back saying, yeah, yeah you've allowed us no, no arguments. So yeah, this from Stephen Trump's first big mistake was not firing Comey on day one and then yes. not firing Fauci. You're right. I don't think back then we were all like naive babes in the woods, right? We had no idea how corrupt the deep state was, how awful it was and the lengths that they would go to, to protect uh, their, their power. Now we have, I don't still think we know all of it, but we have at least an we, inkling. No, we don't know. All of it, and I then Jacob you. is like, could it be that all those pictures of bombings by Russia were staged in Romania? You know, I go back to, 
I think you can't tell what's real over there, right? You can't you can't tell what's real. Um, I know we now have the U.S. intelligence agents admitting that they made stuff up, right? To try oh, yeah, to make, like, that kind of like the that. weapons of mass destruction yeah, we thing. We just made it up, but we got to stop this information from getting out there, right? I mean, they had at the University of Chicago. I'm not sure if we're going to go into that. Yeah, we today. can do that now. Okay, um, you know the the University of Chicago in in in. Uh, Coupling with Atlanta magazine, Atlanta is a far left one that runs every left wing story and no right wing or middle, middle road one. So that and the University of Chicago getting together uh, to talk about disinformation, how it threatens our democracy. <laughs> uh, and so, they, you know, they had all the lefties, but for balance, they had Adam Kingsinger, you know. Oh, oh he's balancing. He's John balancing. Goldberg. Right. Um, and it's been hilarious. And Obama's getting up there saying, this is such an endanger to our democracy. This disinformation. This disinformation. The king of disinformation who helped orchestrate the Russia hoax uh, with all his, his help. I mean, what a what a. But flaw. another, another um, good, I guess, ray of hope in that is I'm going to talk a second, too, about our young people. I think that our young people... Um, particularly, I, you know, again, I look at kids Rev's age and kids who are maybe entering college now and they've been watching all of this. They've seen their lives destroyed over nothing. Um, so this is a question and you may have heard it, but I just think it's good that a college kid stood up. Um, the one that this disinformation is mostly aimed at, right? This is why they want to try to groom these kids. They're like, man, if we're getting to them in college, that's way too late. We need well, to get to these freshmen. kids. Yeah. These kids are only freshmen. Right. By the end of their four years. Well, maybe, or maybe they're kind of like, these kids are thinking for themselves. We can't have that. We need to get them in preschool. Mm-hmm. That's why Jared yeah, right. Polis. Why do you think Jared Polis is pushing free universal preschool in Colorado? Oh, yeah, hmm. right. hmm. Hmm. Not because he cares about kids. But at any mm-hmm. rate, so this freshman stands up and just excoriates CNN's Brian Stelter. So, Thomas, if we could please play the student question soundbite. Do you have two of them? My name is Christopher Phillips. I'm a first year at the college. Uh, my question is for Mr. Stelter. Uh, You've all spoken extensively about Fox News being a purveyor of uh, disinformation, uh, but CNN is right up there with them. They pushed the Russian collusion hoax. They pushed the Jussie Smollett hoax. They smeared Justice Kavanaugh as a rapist, and they also smeared Nick Sandman as a white supremacist. And yes, they dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop affair as pure Russian disinformation. Uh, with mainstream corporate journalists becoming little more than uh, apologists and cheerleaders for the regime, is it time to finally declare that the uh, the canon of journalistic ethics is dead or no longer operative? Uh, all the mistakes of the mainstream media and CNN in particular seem to magically all go in one direction. Are we expected to believe that this is all just some sort of random coincidence or is there something else behind it? It's too bad. It's time for lunch. <laughs> you have 30 uh, seconds. No, I mean, there's a, there's a clock that says 30 seconds. But, but I think my honest answer to you, and I will, I'll come over and talk in more detail after this, is that I, I think you're describing a different channel than the one that I watch. Uh, but I understand yeah, no. that that is a popular right-wing narrative about CNN. I think it's important when we talk about shared reality and democracy, all these networks, all these news outlets have to defend democracy. And when they screw up, admit it. Uh, but... When Benjamin Hall, the Fox correspondent, was wounded in Ukraine, the news crews at CNN and the New York Times stopped what they were doing, and they tried to help. They tried to help him get out of the country. They tried to find the dead crew members. That's what news outlets do. That's how they actually do work together to your question about sharing those kinds of connections and trust. We don't talk about it enough, though. We don't share that reality about how that happens. And with regards to the regime, I think you mean the President Biden? The last time I spoke with a Biden aide, we yelled at each other. So that's the reality of the news business that people don't see. He was trying to get a job. People don't hear. They imagine that it's a, a situation that it simply is not. But I think your question, it speaks to the failure of journalism to show our work and show the reality of how our profession operates. We have a lot of work to do, I think. Oh, good. Now, does anyone, please, I'm throwing up a little bit in my mouth with that. Number one, he didn't even answer the question. The fact that the other, the fact that the colleagues, the guy's colleagues would try to help Benjamin Hill in Ukraine has nothing to do. Yeah, has nothing nothing to do with the kid's question. And he can't answer because it's true. But moreover, his show, Reliable Sources, was all an attack on Fox and, and Tucker Carlson and everybody else. I mean, he was always railing at him. And he's saying, oh, we cooperate. You know, when someone's almost killed, 
we're willing to kind of help them a little bit. What's that got to do with anything? Uh, and, 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 and this is from Leo. Leo, this is pretty funny. Pretty sure they're not going to forgive his student loans. That's yeah. right. Well, and somebody's yeah. getting in trouble. Somebody's getting in trouble for, for letting him in in the first place. But here's the thing. This is what I think. And we're going to play the Amber soundbite because I think there's... Uh, there's the other one. I think we Chicago get that No, one. I didn't. The, okay. uh, there's a, a, there is a... What's going on here, um, and I mean, this ties into the Whitmer case, to the FBI entrapment. There's a reason that now they're calling parents domestic terrorists. There's a reason they're trying to make disinformation a crime. There's a reason they're saying the Department of Justice needs to go after disinformation. And that is because when you've got kids like that, that college freshmen who are aware that everything they see in the corporate media is probably not true. Um, So they're not watching it and they're not paying attention to it and they're not believing it. The one thing that the corporate media had going for them for a long time was controlling the narrative. They don't do that anymore for a couple of reasons. One, nobody's watching anyway, because the world has changed in that way. But secondly, everybody knows that they're lying. And so how do you control the narrative if no one's listening to you? Well, what you do then is you enlist the um, the aid of big tech. big tech and the Justice Department and say, if you put out what we decide is disinformation, what do they have? <laughs> they have this, they have what Kyle Clark from Channel mm-hmm. 9 was on a legislative committee aimed at helping teach school kids about disinformation. How scary is that, right? How to find reliable sources uh, of news like Kyle Clark. Right. And so I think that's something we have to be aware of and worried about because they're like a cornered animal right now. They know no one believes them. They're losing power. They are, are on the verge of losing power. They haven't lost well, it yet. It and was, so, well, it so they're going to start though. I think again, what they're going to do is next time they're going to make that kid like Leo said, they're not going to just, you know, not forgive his student loan. They're going to kick him out of college for saying something. Well, I mean, it's- he will have mandatory a sex change operation. Right, right. He's, yeah. Um, yeah, it, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, longer than that, 20. Uh, the New York Times it was famous for one of their um, editors saying, if it's if uh, if we don't report on it, it's not news. Um, and he was right. If the yeah. New York Times, Washington Post, or some other, and, and the main uh, TV channels, uh, took their lead from the Washington Post and, right. and New York Times. It wasn't news. It really you could not get it out, and so, and that sort of ended with Monica Lewinsky, and also a little bit earlier when when, uh, uh, oh God, who, who 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 John Kerry and his uh, the Swift Boat Swift Boat <clears throat> one, um, and and they're panicked because they know not only are there alternatives, but they are the most popular alternatives. I mean, like Joe Fox Rogan, News. that's Joe why they Rogan, want to crack down. Yeah, um, they have lost their ability to uh, uh, to control things. And so they're trying plan B was just out and out censorship and destroy. Mm-hmm. And so now I've, maybe you guys have heard about the case of she was a, uh, a, a commentator on a radio station in Washington, D.C., WMAL, Amber Affey. And made some tweeted some joke about Kamala. And this is a while ago, about Kamala Harris's pantsuit. It was brown. She said she looks like a UP. I mean, she was referring to the UPS slogan, what can brown do for you? And she was saying it's not racist. No one even thought it was racist. She tweeted what can brown do for you? Um, Nobody cared at the moment. Nobody said anything. Then a few days later, she made an anti-trans comment. And the next thing you knew is the Twitter mob, the uh, progressive mob came after her. They flooded the Cumulus company that, that owns the radio station. And the next thing you know, they fired her. Um, and they fired her saying, because she should have said that about Kamala Harris. I mean, even though everybody, everybody knew that number one, it wasn't racist. Maybe it was stupid, but it wasn't racist. Number two, everybody also knew that the people complaining and demanding that she be fired were not listeners. Everybody knew that it was an organized effort to crack down on anybody who says any, who questions the regime and the regime's power and what the regime tells you, you have to believe. And so let's play, if we could please play the Amber soundbite. This was her talking with uh, Tucker Carlson the other day way they could get these few activist emails they could appease the mob if they just fired me well their first mistake was that the woke mob is never satisfied they always want more scalps and the second mistake that they made is they thought that i was just going to roll over and shut up about this well that's not who i am i believe very deeply that we are all obligated to speak out when injustices occur in our society and so i intended as soon as i got fired to very loudly and proudly tell everybody about what happened to me, because I think we live in a very perverse and sick society, Tucker, 
when a young woman from a working class background with parents who didn't go to college can't criticize the outfit of the most powerful woman in the United States. And worse than that, the most powerful woman in the United States is actually considered the marginalized victim in this scenario. (laughs) Which is, I mean, it's just so true. But here, I guarantee you, they're not going to stop. They are going to try to destroy her. It's like we said before. They don't, you know, the people who are working for Trump, the lawyers there, they don't want to just bar them. They don't want to just criticize them. They want to prevent them from ever working again. They want to destroy them. And they said, we need to squash them and destroy all of the Trump supporters to teach them a lesson. But we enjoyed this story, particularly because it it is amazing parallels to our own where right. I made the joke that the impeachment was so boring that what could we get to stop this phenomenon? Oh, a nice school shooting parenthetically in which no one gets hurt. Not, no one called and said, that's a terrible comment. You're trying to kill children. No, no, it's a joke um, or a sarcastic side. Um, and then two days later, um, the, Phones at the, at the, at Salem were just and KNUS were just overwhelmed. I mean, overwhelmed. And and they kept on. You know, they they had instructed them all. Obviously, one person instructed them just tell them you want the Chuck and Julio show <laughs> taken off the air. Um, but they went everywhere. I mean, I mean this that story um, went. My sister called me up in London and yeah. said I just heard it on the BBC. Um, I just saw, I'd never seen it before, a change.org petition, fire Chuck Bonnewell. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't start that. No, you no, probably, yeah, right, you probably did. Um, and, and you know, it, it went all over the world. I mean, all over the world. That's how good they are. And, of course, Salem and, and its cowardice and its, and its um, wanting to, to appease Ahmad just quickly fired us. And then they put a thing up on their website saying, the moment they heard the comment, they stopped us and they and they fired us, which is a lie. It's just they well, don't care, though. They don't care. And the cowardice of of these of these corporations such as Salem and, and Cumulus um, results in you just getting blandness. All you get now are blandness. Well, that's in the that's in the mainstream, and I think again the hope is not that, the mainstream. KNUS is not the mainstream. Well, corporate, corporate, and I think the hope is though that I mean, what gives me hope is that everybody, not everybody, but more and more people are realizing it. I mean, when we when this first happened to us, I remember I was talking with my daughter, and I was saying, yeah, I mean, this was an organized, orchestrated bot kind of thing. These weren't real people behind there were a it. A lot of people, this a, was lot a, of hey, a lot of money, a lot of lot of money went into stuff like that, and not just against us. And she was like, no, well. People know that now. I mean, everybody knows that now. And this is funny from um, Jacob, Julia, while back, you said, and Chuck interrupted you, that you have faith in the next generation under the workforce. The journalist who asked the questions to Stelter shows you are right. And I think so. People's eyes are open now. You've got these kids asking the questions that the adults won't. And the kids don't back down. The kids understand what cancel culture is. And they understand that it really can't hurt you if you just refuse to give in, right? Because what did we do? We turn around. And we started a podcast, right? So it's like we missed like two weeks. And now, you know, every so often those same organizations try to call or try to say, oh, you guys said this. I don't care. What do you, you know? Well, you- Jason Saltzman called Julie just the other day and he's the one who orchestrated it locally. That might have been a, he didn't leave a message. That might have been a butt dial too. So I'm Chuck. It might have been a butt dial. No, it's not. He's shameless. It's, this and, is and he's Ch- happy to go after people. Yeah. This is, this is from Stephen. Chuck, did George Soros send you a Christmas card after his NGOs and bots got you fired? Yeah. They did not. But we did get mail threatening to kill me in, in various brutal and, and, and horrific and, and ways. Like I mean, literally. I, mean, I was on the Hall of Fame golf board, and it got me thrown off that. I'm going, what does the radio thing have to do with the Golf Hall of Fame? And said, oh, no. You know, so, I mean, they, they went after everything, and, and that woman herself identifies all the things in her life that they attack. And they go in your face, they look at you, they call every person that's ever known you. And, and, and slimes you. I mean, but, it's but I think though, and, and I think what people understand more now is that it is, it's organized and it's an effort and it's, you know, part of the things. And oh, I wanted to talk about one other thing too, just in my ongoing effort to educate us all on election integrity issues, uh, because Chuck, you were at the Adams County 
um, the Adams Republican Party, Adams County Republican Party meeting last night. It's called the executive committee. executive committee trying to talk about election integrity. And they're like, oh, it's, we're fine. This is I wanted to show you. Take a look, you guys. There's a great article um, in The Federalist where it talks about um, a hearing in, the, in Pennsylvania where they talked about all of the various ways, essentially, that the Zuckerberg money influenced the election there. And they talk about this. This is the steps that the Democrats go to. They talked about, again, my glasses here. So what the Democrats did is they basically conspired. The Democrat governor conspired with these left-wing activist organizations to get private money in, in key Democrat counties and key blue counties. And they got way more, millions of dollars more than any Republicans got. For instance, there was one blue county got money, one of the blue counties got money to get something called a Blue Crest mail sorting equipment, piece of equipment, Blue Crest uh, mail sorting. What this does, essentially, it allows them to pre-canvas. What this does, this is the steps that they go to. So this is the machine. So the ballots come in and the, the ballots are sort of processed before they're open. So as they come in, right, they're kind of processed. What this machine does that was paid for by Zuckerberg money and put in only this Democrat county, right, not the Republican counties, it weighs the ballot to see if the to make sure, among other things, that the ballot is put in the sleeve before put in the envelope. The sleeve weighs a little more, adds to the weight of the of the. And the ballot has to be thrown out if it's not put in the next time. They won't even worry about that. But the ballot has to be thrown out if it's not in that sleeve. So this weighs it, okay? So then the election workers could say, "Oh my gosh, well this is a bad ballot," and they could pull it out, see whose it was, and then the election workers, the government election workers in this Democrat county with only the Democrat County getting this special mail ballot weighing machine would then go ahead and alert the campaigns that this ballot might be thrown out. So then the campaigns who also were getting money from Zuckerberg and millionaires could go out to the individual voter and say, hey, look, your ballot might not be right. So let's have you do another one. Well, they automatically know if it's a Republican or Democratic one because they have to find the person. So so then you can just just look up their registration. Now, let's assume they're totally honest, which none of them are. Um, you'd say, okay, we don't care. Nine out of 10 voters or, or almost that are Democrats. So we're in good shape. But I sh- promise you they didn't. They did all the Republican ones. Other oh, Republicans didn't do that. Um, and of course, they didn't know about the machine and everything else. Uh, here's from Steve. Uh, George Brockler and his henchman, Billy Thorpe, evidently picked up where Peter Bulls left off by bullying GOP candidates on whether the 2020 election was stolen. Yeah, he is. Well, and I mean, I mean and it's, here's, it's, it's disgusting. And here's it's the thing, disgusting. and Republicans need to quit using the stupid words that the Democrats make us use. So, okay, this thing that I'm telling you about, so private money goes to give Democrat counties, which have mostly Democrat voters, a special device that essentially is able to let them know ahead of time whether or not this ballot is likely to be thrown out or not as having not met all of the requirements. And then the election workers who are theoretically nonpartisan were alerting the campaigns about this. Now, is that legal or illegal? What, you know? what did you say? What? Who, who alerts the campaigns? So what happened is the election workers were alerting the campaigns. No. They took the election workers were taking the ballot. The governmentally paid workers on a quote unquote get out the vote effort were the ones who went out. It okay. was not well, the there Democratic campaign, Party. There were some campaigns. Well, too. they're already part of the campaign, uh, but but it, but these are. At any rate, my point is, so, but they were the Democrat county. So was that illegal? Actually, in Pennsylvania, it appears that that might be illegal. It's called pre-canvassing. But I'm sure there probably is not a law specifically saying you can't have a special machine paid for by Zuckerberg money, right? So when you oh, have- Of course there is, you if have, you want to. You can find a well, statute yes. for anything. and But of course, they won't enforce the statute my, because of Democratic- my Max. point is, though, when you have idiot Republicans who say things like, well, see, it wasn't stolen. No law was broken. It's like, OK, so don't call it stolen. It was purchased. OK, it was purchased. It was rigged. Call it whatever you want. But Republicans have to wake up and they have to quit saying that this isn't going on. Or, I mean, that's one of just the I mean, the Democrats are doing that at all different levels. We've been talking about it all around the country. And they do and it in Colorado. Week. And, and they, 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 the, the city and county of Denver will go out and cure ballots uh before totaling them up and uh uh uh, if they find it defective and they don't do that in any county i mean i went to the adams county executive committee and these are all nice people and the room was packed uh and one guy got up to tell us and he's a very nice gentleman about how secure your ballot was 
Well, what he doesn't know is that all the crookedness goes into before it gets dropped off. Right. And before it gets dropped off, it's where we, he, he said, no, don't worry here in Adams County. We're all set. And I'm just going to pull my hair I out. Mean, and doesn't anybody in this room realize how dumb we are? It's And it's like it, the Republicans need to realize, and they need to quit arguing and being so scared of a Twitter mob going after them if they say election integrity. They need to realize this is the kind of stuff that's going on. Various strategies at all kinds of levels. All of this, by the way, was funded and coordinated by Arabella, which was that giant Democrat dark money organization, right? So they are working on this kind of thing. In the meantime, Republicans are saying, well, I don't want to say election integrity because that might, you know, a Twitter person might criticize me for that. We need to get over that. And we need to start talking about these things, talking about the facts and saying, what are we doing to either one, pass laws to stop this or two, gear up ourselves to do it, right? If Democrats are getting these machines, well, I'm sorry, maybe Republicans need to start funding these kinds well, of machines. Well, here's some share. I only listen to podcast playbacks of Matt Dunn and Randy Corcoran avoid the ghastly top of the hour CBS propaganda <laughs> posing as news. That's, that's really true. You get four hours a day of George Brockler, who's shown himself. He's the most pleasant person, nicest guy you, you ever can meet, but, he, but he's left wing. He, he, he's for red flag. He's for he hates Trump. Um, and, and he, of course, will be your next Republican candidate for something. Uh, and then you get Stefan. Uh, you know, for well, more I don't, you know, Yeah, I mean, and KNUS is doing its own thing, but I think... Well, no, KNUS is doing its own thing by making sure there are no conservative voices. Well, that's because they are buying into the propaganda and the Twitter mobs and the social media mobs that will try to destroy you. Um, well, what they well, do... They, they'll make well, you think they're going to destroy you, but we're still here, right? Well, you guys are still here. Yeah, well, so but they no, don't destroy no, you. no. I lost a million dollars in advertising well, in my newspaper because they, they weigh. Yeah, we'll, we'll say they that. can make it hurt a little bit. <laughs> but, and I promise you, wait a no, no, wait a minute. Um, and and what did you do with Randy Corcoran? He's being sued for like twenty million dollars yeah. uh, by Dominion. Um, and and so once the suit's over, you know his chances of surviving at Canyon very long unless they win are pretty small. So they will. Ca- and Matt is luckily not that prominent yet i mean should be he's been given well, a bigger will. role yeah. but should he be i mean they'll squash him um but they will only try don't we're not we're party friday check we're not part, oh for god's party friday <laughs> so forget all that forget that's all that that's well we're going down to the assembly uh somebody asked earlier up on our podcast line um whether uh, the assembly started today. No, CD7 started today. They had their own. Looks meeting. like Laura Imer made the ballot. Made I'm not sure ballot. what happened with Eric Oglin. I haven't got. I haven't heard okay. back from that. And we also have. Um, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, okay. uh, but 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 basically, it, it's everything occurs tomorrow. They they said that. Uh, oh, well, you Sharona for- Bishop may be calling live from there as a show or something. So I think that'd be great. Find her. Yeah, and we will. Um, Leo and everyone in honor of Party Friday. Um, all of the candidates are going to attempt to bribe us with cocktails and hors d'oeuvres at their cocktail parties. We will be participating in all of those, but equally. Equal, will, equal bribes for eco podcasts. Po- yes. Hey, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll have a, a report from the assembly on Monday. Um, have a great weekend. Thank you, as always, to the folks at Democracy or, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, Freedom and Lori Smith for coming on, TJ and all the great guys at BBS for putting this together. Remember, you can get everything at chuckandjulie.com. And we'll report back on all the assembly shenanigans Monday. All right. Have a great weekend. Bye bye.